Tonight's service, I want to talk to you about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going, to, I'm going to present to you right now, before we go to the text, I'm going to present to you a hypothetical situation that is absolutely absurd and ludicrous. It would never take place, but it will at least give you a, a, a sense of value that I have. Now, if God was to come to me today and say, Dale, now apart from the many gifts that I've put into your life, apart from salvation, you only get to keep one of them. All the others have to go. Now, I will tell you that I don't believe that any human being is qualified to assess the gifts of God and say this is better than another. I, I will say that right up front. We're just not that smart. Some people think they can pick out one that's sharper than the other, but I think that everything that God gives is over the top. I think everything he gives is absolutely marvelous. But I can tell you right now that if that absurd scenario would be true and God would come to me and say, all the gifts that are in your life all have to go apart from salvation, you can have just one other. I can promise you this, I could not let go of the gift of the Holy Spirit. This gift of God is absolutely extraordinary. It will literally transform every level of your life and every facet of your life. It is an amazing gift. When Jesus referred to it as was recorded in Acts chapter 1, and it's not the text we're looking at, but he referred to it not as a gift of the Holy Spirit. He called it the gift of the Holy Spirit. What an emphasis he, he put on that. I want to talk to you tonight about what I call simple truths about this Holy Spirit baptism. Here's something I've discovered. It's the simplicity of the gospel that connects with the hearts of people. May I say this again? I know we all want to be, you know, intriguing and deep and all, the, you know, all this kind of, but I found out that it's the simplicity of the gospel that connects with the masses and with the, and with the people. So I want to, I, I, I wanna, I'm not here to try to impress you with, with, with preaching tonight. I just want to give you some simple truths about this baptism that will open your heart to receive it. Now, if you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, it'll be easy for you to receive this tonight. Believe what I'm telling you right now. Listen, last night God healed people in this room. Is it true? Were you here? And did you notice that no one struggled to get healed? Am I right? Uh, I didn't even lay hands on people, and I believe in that, but I didn't even lay hands on people. The majority, I, I, well, not the majority, I think everybody that got healed last night, got healed sitting right where you're sitting right now. It's just as they were, many were healed while, while the preaching was going on or just shortly uh, right afterwards. The presence and the power of God came to them. Listen, Jesus said, my yoke is, and my burden is, that's right. Don't ever forget that. It, I'm, I'm going to say it to you like this. If it's hard, it's not God. If it's hard, it's not God. You listen, he did the hard part. You understand that? He paid the price. He suffered in our behalf. He was the sacrifice. Now, the harder you work at these things, the farther you turn from them. They come to us by faith and grace of God. That's how they enter into our life. And so I'm going to tell you that, that everything, it's just like salvation. I told you Sunday, if you know how to get saved, you know how to get everything that God does. You know, it's not hard to get saved. It's not hard to get saved. It's impossible if you try to do it yourself. Are you hearing this? It's impossible. If you're going to try to get good enough to qualify for it, to win it in any way, it's, it's literally impossible. You'll miss it every time. In fact, even though you might be sincere, the harder you work to make yourself righteous, to present yourself to him, the farther you're actually turning from the gift. 
Some people don't know that. But the harder they apply themselves, the farther they're moving from the actual gift of God. You don't get this thing through works. You don't get this thing through accomplishment. That's not how it takes place. It comes by resting in Christ, trusting in him, counting on him, letting him be all your hope and all your faith. Am I right on that? It's not hard to get saved. It's impossible if you try to win it yourself but if you'll just rest in him that gift will open right up unto you now i've told you sunday if you're not to get saved you know how to get everything that god does that's so true concerning this gift of the holy ghost let me tell you it's not hard filled with the holy spirit it's not as long as you think well this is a tough one i'm going to give it my very best i'm going to try so hard well you'll probably miss it then You'll probably miss it. But if you'll rest, God will bring you into this miracle tonight. And I'm telling you, everyone, 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 everyone in this house can be filled with the Holy Ghost tonight. Everyone can be filled with the Holy Ghost tonight. And if you've already got it, you can go to another level in it. Amen? Really, and you need to know there is more. There really is in everything that God... Everything that God does. So some simple truths, if you're the kind of people who like to take notes, here's the first one. You'll find it in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 and 39. Acts 2, verse 38 and 39. We'll read it, but I'm going to tell you right now what that truth is. The truth is this, that it's for everyone. The truth is this, it's for everyone. Would someone say that with me? It's for everyone. Help me preach. It's Monday night. I need some help with the preaching. Help me out with it. It's for everyone. Now look at someone next to you and say, it's for you. That, that's true, all right? So Acts chapter 2 in the Word of God, I'm going to read verse 38, verse 39. May I invite you to stand with me as I read Scripture this evening? You never want to complain when a preacher gives you an opportunity to stand just before he preaches. God only knows when you're going to get to stand again, so cherish that moment. Okay. The setting that you have here is the day of Pentecost. That is, this is the day that the gift of the Holy Spirit was actualized in the earth. So what you've got is Jesus has been crucified. He has risen from the dead. He has appeared unto many over a period of 40 days. He has ascended up on high, and he has told his own that now shortly from now, the gift of the Holy Spirit will be poured out. Now, it will be about 10 days, and 10 days lands us right on the Jewish feast of Pentecost. Pentecost is not a Christian term. We have adopted it, but it was actually one of the Jewish festivals that was taken place. People that come now from all over the world because you have the locals that are Jews by birth that are there to celebrate this feast and then you've got those that have adopted Judaism as their religion and they have come from many nations all over the planet and as they're there that day, God pours out of his spirit. There's a small group of believers, about 120 of them, that have followed the command of our Lord. They're in that upper room, and the gift of the Holy Spirit is poured out upon them. They begin to pray in languages that they have never learned. They begin to worship and speak of the wonderful things of God in languages that they do not understand. They pour out onto the street, and when they do that, now, now this is, uh, it's attracted the attention of those that are in the city of Jerusalem. They're standing around, and they're hearing a lot of them they're hearing people speak in languages they know these Galilean men do not know but it's their own homeland tongue and so they're asking how is this happening how are these men speaking in our own home languages they're, they're speaking of the wonderful works of God and Peter now he addresses that situation he stands up and he and I'm not going to read all of that I'm just going to jump in in verse 38 but what he tells them is this is that which Joel had prophesied in the last days God would pour out of his spirit upon all flesh and I paraphrase 
paraphrase him now, but he goes on to tell them that there's something yet even more fundamental and you must understand, and that is this, that Messiah has come. It was Jesus of Nazareth. You rejected him. You crucified him. God raised him from the dead. And he says, and I'm witness to that fact. And then we step into the text. And it says, then Peter said to them, repent, and let every one of you, someone say every one of you, every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you. To who? It's to you, and it's to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God will call. And by the way, the call that he's speaking of there is the call to repentance. You may be seated. Thank you. All right, so the idea is, I'm telling you, there's a great truth about this spirit baptism, and that is it's for everyone. And let me tell you why I say that, because some of you say, well, that's a no-brainer. We already knew that. But here's, here, let me help you with something. Uh, if, and then what I'm about to say right now is not just true concerning the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's true concerning any promise of God. Anytime you start thinking, well, I believe God does these things. I know God operates like that, but maybe it's not his will for me. You immediately cut yourself out of that promise. And a lot of us will do that when it's something that we have asked for a time or two, and it's not happened. It's not been actualized in our life. And then we start thinking, well, why? Why? And, you know, and, and we tend to beat ourselves up real bad, you know, like, well, maybe I don't have enough faith, or maybe I'm not worthy, or, or this and that. Or we settle it out this way, and it generally comes down to this, that God is sovereign, and there's reasons why he does stuff he does, and possibly this isn't his will. Well, that's, that's a very possible scenario if you're praying for something that is not covered through covenant or a promise of God. Did you all understand what I said there? Did I say that too fast? Let me explain it again another way. There are certain things that God does that he's done and he has done, but he's done in a specific setting, a specific situation, according to what he sovereignly knows should be done. Then there's other things he's promised. The promises of God are we are not excluded from. But the actions of God are not necessarily the same for everyone. Someone says, no, if you believe it, you can have it. That's not really true. You don't get what you believe. You get what he's promised. You understand that? So, for example, God parted the Red Sea. But he never promised that. He never said, now listen, if you're walking in faith and you walk in holiness and you're within my will, then here's the thing, people of God never ride in boats. When they come to waters, it just splits open for them. There's no promise of God that says that. There is nothing within covenant that states that. But he did it. Hello? He did it, you know, and he did it more than once. Am I right? Right? He, he, we know he did the Red Sea, but they didn't stop there. Later on, he did the Jordan River for Joshua, didn't he? And then how about Elijah? Right? And then Elisha, right on top of it. He did it again. So, so we know he can do it, and he may do it multiple times, but he never, made, he never made promise on it. But let me tell you about the promises. Uh, there's only one answer to every promise the Bible tells us, and that is yes. Are you aware of that? No matter how many, I'm quoting now the scripture, no matter how many promises, I'm quoting it from the NIV, that's the nearly inspired version. It says this, that no, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes 
in Christ. So if, it's, if he's promised it, you can, you can go to the bank on that one. Or if it's been part of the covenant of God, part of the, the shedding of the blood of Jesus, that's been done for the whole world, and whoever calls upon that can get that. So we know that's true. But, uh, so here's what I want to tell you. When it comes to promises or that which is within covenant, you can rest on this. But the moment you look at a promise of God and you say, well, I believe that, I believe that, I, you know, I believe God does that, but maybe that's not for me, you're going to cut yourself out of this. Let me tell you about this gift of the Holy Ghost. This is a promise of God, and you can have it. You can, I don't care if you've asked 100 times and it hasn't worked. You can still have that gift. It's available right for you, and it's available right here, right now. And the, and the scripture's plain on that. When Peter preached that day, watch how he handled the matter of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. When he preached that day, he's standing before this crowd, and he calls them to repent. He says, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So let, let, me, let me bring it right down to a, a, a point in a nutshell right here. When he preached repentance that day, he didn't preach repentance for some. He preached repentance for all. Y'all hear that? He didn't look at that crowd and say, now y'all don't know, I, I, I've, been, I, I've been raised here in Israel and been around Jerusalem all my life, and I'm about to say something right now, but there's some of you out there, you know, you don't really need to pay attention to this because this is really for the guy next to you because I know some of you, and, you know, here's the fact. <laughs> oh, God, I know what you're like, and just forget it. I mean, some of you, this is just not going to work, honey. This is just the way it is. You are so rotten to the core. I don't think there's any hope for you at all. He did not do that that day. Because here's the truth. There's no one so bad that they cannot be saved. Are you listening? He didn't say, you're a hopeless case. He didn't say that. He called everybody. But let me tell you something else. Neither did he stand up there. They... Same way, and say, now, you know, I've been here all my life, and so on, and I know some of you guys, and this, you know, well, you, you know, you can listen to what I'm saying to you, but you know it doesn't really apply to you because you're such great guys. I know you're great guys. Oh, you're such holy guys. Oh, you got your act together. You know, you shame the guys that are that really that. No, no, here's the deal. There's no one so bad that they cannot be saved, and there's no one so good that they need not be saved. Oh, I didn't get as big an amen on that one. That day when he preached repentance, he, repeat, he preached repentance to everybody. Ever, no, no exclusion. He didn't say some of you can't get it and some of you don't need it. Everybody must come to the point of repentance. All right? So he preached repentance. He preached water baptism. And then and for everybody, for everybody, he preached the to all. And he says, and you shall receive the gift you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he, and he double emphasizes it. He says, for the promise is to you. But he didn't stop there. He said, it's to your children. For those who say, well, it was just for them. No, no. He says, it's for your children. And, and, and then he said something else. Now, in the, the way it's rendered in the English language, he says this, to all who are afar off. Now, in our vernacular, when we say afar off, generally we're thinking distance. But in the, in, in the Greek expression, the words to all that are afar off did not denote distance. It denoted time. He, was, he didn't change his subject matter. He didn't change the flow of speech there. He was, he was still going that way. He said, it's to you, it's to your children. And then he wasn't saying and to everybody in England and everybody in Rome. He wasn't doing that. He said to all that are far off. So he's looking down generationally. 
It, it, what we would have said in our vernacular, the way we would have uh, said it, we would have said it's to you, it's to your children, it's to your grandchildren, it's to your great-grandchildren, it's to your great-great-grandchildren. That's what he's saying to all that are afar off. You know, Wednesday night we're going to talk to you about generational blessing. And I'm going to tell you that the blessing of God covers every generation. That you can connect with Calvary in that way that brings the blessing of God into your house in the light of the cross that shines upon generation after generation after generation. Here he preaches that they, this promise is to you, it's to your children. Come on, and it's to, and he goes looking right down through time, it's to all that are far off, and then he nails it, he says it like this, and to as many as the Lord our God will call. And the thesis that he's, that, he's, that he's presenting right there, we understand from the context of it that the call is the call to the kingdom, the call out of darkness into light, the call into the family of God, the call to repentance. So what he's saying here is this, is if as many as God calls into his family to them, the gift of the Holy Spirit has been poured out. Are you hearing that? So if you're in the room right now and say, well, preacher, I, you know, I don't, I'm not saying I don't believe this stuff, but I don't, I don't know about all this stuff. Here's the one thing I do know, though. I know I'm saved. And I can look at you and say, well, here's something else I know then, and that is you can have the gift of the Holy Ghost. I mean, really, if you know you're saved, you're ready, you're, ready, you're right there. You can have, come on, you can have the gift of the Holy Ghost. So, and, and I'm bringing that out, and I'm belaboring it for this reason. I want you to relax in this tonight, because one of the big struggles that people have in receiving any promise of God is knowing that they should get it. If you can get past that bump, if you can get past that spot right there, if you can just look at this thing as, well, I mean, you know, even if you've asked a time or two, you, you might have to say, I don't understand why it hasn't happened yet, but I do know one thing for sure. I can yet have this gift of God. I can yet have the gift of God. So, guys, the promise, let me tell you, it's really true. It's for you. Here's another truth about this Holy Spirit baptism, and, and that is this, that it's for right now. Tonight, it's for right now now it's for everybody and it's for now now watch this the biblical pattern you look at the scripture the biblical pattern and by the way that's the pattern for life now let me let me just let me let me step side for just a second i'm really not going on a rabbit trail but i want to say something so that this will be established probably 30 years ago i wouldn't have to make this statement in a church but today it looks like we have to make this statement in churches because see 30 years ago we understood something that the scriptures were the ultimate authority of truth and light and now people think that it's more subjective but may I tell you something I believe in the inerrancy of the Word of God and I believe the Word of God is the same yesterday today and forever and I believe the Word of God reveals to us the person of God like nothing else can or or would be able to this word is the ultimate absolute authority. It does not have the final word. It has all the word yes. from beginning to end. Do you get this? You understand what I'm saying? Some people don't understand that, but let me be very plain with you. If you really want to know what reality is like in Christ, in his kingdom, if you really want to know how God works, then forget about what this person says, what that person says, what this other guy believes. Go to the scripture. When you read that, you'll know that's it right there. That's the real deal. I can go to the bank on that one. I can rest on that one. That one is true and will always be true. That was a shouting spot right there again. Yeah, I got two amens, one from over on this side. The other one came from the pastor, but you all know he's been paid to say amen, so that doesn't work. I, you can't even count it. It's just kind of like a, I don't know, you know, just kind of like a pseudo amen, you know. Um, you all right out there. 
It's for right now. So here, let me get to where I was saying. The biblical pattern, and this is what you can believe. The biblical pattern was that people were expected to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit immediately upon hearing the gospel. You know that? If you look at the scripture, the biblical pattern was, was not that people were to repent and then go through a long discipleship course and then get water baptized at the end, probably in the New Year's Eve service, and then after they have reached to some, I don't know, good night, some other spiritual level, when they become mature, then we pray with them to get the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's absolutely absurd. The scripture shows that immediately upon hearing the gospel, they were expected to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the best we can tell from the New Testament, it was all tied up in the presentation of the gospel. When the gospel was presented, it was presented that Jesus is alive and that we repent of our sins before him and that we're water baptized and that we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and then we go on from there. You look at the biblical pattern, you'll see again and again that when the gospel was presented, like when, uh, when the Ethiopian first heard the word of the Lord from Philip, I mean, he, just, he finally just stopped the chariot. Remember that? And he looked around and he said, well, you know what? There's some water over there. Why can't I be baptized? That's how he indicated that he was ready. And, and, and Philip said to him, well, if you believe on the Lord with all your heart, he said, I do believe. Well, he water baptized him right there and those people were expected right there on the spot to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Forget this idea that, that you can't have it now. Someone said, well, I'm not ready now. Are you saved? Well, then, dude, you're ready. You, you see, here's something else that we need to wrap our brain around, and I haven't fully wrapped mine around it yet, and that is this, that God has already done more in you than what you know. The work of his grace in your life is deeper, wider, and more significant than any of us have ever recognized, ever realized. And truthfully, it's greater than more than, well, it's greater than more than we're willing to let ourselves believe. I, you know, I find out I don't have a big problem believing what God said about Moses. And the stories about Elijah and Elisha, I don't really struggle with them. I don't, I, I don't struggle believing what God said about David. I struggle the most believing about what God said about me. Did you hear this? Am I the only guy in the room like that? When he talks to me about the great things he's done within me in Christ Jesus, I say, who? Are you talking to me? He's done a great work in you. And the work of the cross in your life is absolutely phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. You're more ready than what you know. Trust me, you're more prepared than what you understand. He has fitted you for this. You are designed for this. This is the way of the kingdom, and you are a people of the kingdom. You've crossed out of darkness and into light. You've been born again by his spirit. You've got his spiritual DNA in you. Do you understand that? You're born again not by corruptible seed, but by, hello, incorruptible seed, by the word of God. And that's not a sermon. That's a person. Ooh, hallelujah. You're ready right now. It's for right now. It's, it's not going to be for you more by Friday than it is right now. Understand that. That's what, so when you come to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, come to get it right now. I'll say, well, I'll ask, but I don't know. Oh, no, we do know. You can have that gift. You can have it today. Good night. You know, especially for those that are, here's a word that we used to use in Pentecostal circles of time gone by. We don't hear too much of it now, but it's still true. We have people that we call chronic seekers. Ever heard that term before? These are people that have been beating their brains out for 25 years trying to get the gift of the Holy Ghost. 
And when they do get the gift, and I've, heard, I've seen them get it time after time, because it's one of the high-level uh, fruitfulnesses in our, in our life. When they get the gift of the Holy Ghost, people that have been seeking it a long time, when they do, they all have the same testimony. It's like they all went to the same online school and was taught that now when you get it, this is what you're supposed to say. And this is what I hear people say over and over and over again that have tried so long to get it, and then they finally do. And what they'll tell you is this. They'll say something that sounds just like this. They'll say, man, if I'd have known it was this easy, I'd have got it a long time ago. <laughs> have you ever heard that? But I didn't know it was this easy, because that's what it is. They didn't realize it's, it's, it is simple, and it's, it's, for right, it's for right now. You know, receiving this gift of God is not qualified by some level of spiritual maturity. You know, um, again, apart from the initial outpouring, nearly all the records show us that people received this gift soon or very soon after they repented. Acts 2 and verse 41, on the day of Pentecost, we find out 3,000 people repented that day. They were water baptized, and we understand they received the gift of the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter 9 and verses 1 through 18, the apostle Paul was converted from Saul to being Paul, and he, you remember his conversion moment, how that great light shined down there. He's knocked right off his ride, and he's on the ground, and hears the voice of the Lord, why are you persecuting me? And he, and he embraces Jesus as Lord. He is sent into a nearby place where he's completely blinded from this moment. And he sent to a nearby place where he said, a prophet is going to come to you and he's going to pray for you and uh, some things are going to happen. First of all, you're going to get your sight. You're going to get water baptized and then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And bang, Paul had all of that within three days of his conversion. Not after he had had deep revelations of Jesus, not after he'd written a big portion of the New Testament. It happened three days after his conversion. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 14, the Samaritans were first, the gospel was first preached to them. The Jews didn't even understand that you could really get this gospel out of their camp and someone decides they're going to truck it over there to Samaria and they're going to tell them about the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so they do. They minister that word of the Lord with signs and wonders and power. Here's what happens. There are conversions that take place. There are miracles of healing that happened, and then the news gets back to Jerusalem. The Samaritans have received Jesus as Lord, and the number one question is asked. Do you remember it? The number one, as soon as they found out that the Samaritans had embraced the gospel, the number one question that was asked was not, did you find a piece of property so we can build a church? They did not ask, did you get people's email addresses? So we can follow up on them. No, sir. The first question that was asked is, did they receive the Holy Ghost when they believed? And the answer came back, well, no, no one told them about that. They've just been water baptized. They've just been repented. There have been healing miracles. And Peter knew that was not enough. So he didn't appoint someone else. He himself got it right down there to make sure they received the gift of the Holy Ghost as well as some other unnamed apostles. It was, it was brought into the midst of them immediately. In Acts chapter 10, you find the gospel was first preached to the entire, uh, an entire uh, uh, Gentile community, and that was at the house of Cornelius. And while Peter is preaching the word, and you understand he had a struggle of even going down there. You all know what I'm talking about? He wasn't even sure that was right to do because the Jewish people did not understand at that time that the gospel could be taken outside of the seed of Abraham. They didn't get that, you see. And so now Peter gets that vision, and I won't go into all of it. And, and so now he finds himself going to Cornelius' house. There's a bunch of people waiting there. He preaches the gospel of the Lord Jesus. While he's preaching, they believe, and without anybody raising a hand, walking an aisle, singing a prayer, speaking a prayer while the choir is Wayne singing just as I am? That's just rude, isn't it? 
while he's preaching, they believe, and the way he figures it out is because before he could finish his sermon, they all received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Broke out speaking in other tongues. That's what happened to a whole lot of them. Think about that. Preacher, wouldn't that be neat if that's what we taught in our Bible schools today concerning preaching? You know, they teach us how you have an opening, you know, that you have, and then you teach the body of what you're going to do and maybe have some illustrations or some points in there, and then they tell us how you do the conclusion to get that whole message. How about if they just said this? Here's what you do. You need to have yourself an opening statement in your text, and, and you get your body of thoughts, and this is when you know when it's time to conclude when the whole house breaks out receiving the Holy Ghost. When that happens, you say, that's it, sermon's done, right? Well, okay, now, now we're time to say amen, and that's what happened with Peter, and, and, and when they all received the Holy Ghost, he decided, well, good night. If he's going to give them the gift of the Holy Ghost, I guess I better water baptize them, and that got everybody in Jerusalem all upset. They said, what in Peter? Good night, man. What in the world was going on in your head that you went to the Gentile community and then, my Lord, then you baptized them in water? Oh, we, dude, what's, what's going on here? And, he, and his whole defense, his whole defense was they received the Holy Ghost just like we did in the beginning. Who was I to say now you can't be water baptized? You see, here's the thing. The gift's for everybody. And it's for right now. And you don't have to become some spiritual guru to get it. The New Testament shows us that the pattern basically was that people were expected to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost as soon as they heard the gospel. Wow, praise God. You can have that tonight. You can really have that tonight. Now, I'm not going to repeat Sunday night stuff, but I told you Sunday night how that we preach a lot in communities now today in Africa that, that the bulk of the city has no Christian group at all. Hardly at all. Hardly at all. The, the, the cities will be 60 to 95% Muslim. And, and then Hindus will be the next biggest group. I have very little. The only Christians I got are some from the churches that are there, and they, are, and they comprise a very small percentage of the community at all. And, and they hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and receive the divine healing of God as I'm preaching, and then they'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost right there. We've seen, we've seen as many as 2,500 in one service received. In fact, in, in Monza this past year, we had 2,500 get it on Saturday night on the grounds, and then another 200 that got it in the churches on Sunday morning, 2,700 people on Pentecost weekend. Now, that's not half bad. Now, I was shooting for 3,000, and I'm going to see it in Jesus' name. Come on, will anyone agree with me on that? This year, come on, this year, I want to see a minimum of 3,000 people in one single service receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Oh, bless the Lord. There we go. All right, let me, let me give you another truth about this. Here, uh, there's a truth I'd like you to know about the, uh, about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and that is that it is your spiritual communication hotline to the throne of God. Let me tell you about this gift. One of the reasons why this gift is so extraordinary is because it opens, your, it opens you up to an ability to interact and communicate with God at a higher level than you can do any other way. Beyond your understanding of theology, beyond your IQ, beyond your communication skills comes the empowerment of the Spirit that opens you the ability to pray, to worship, to praise, to intercede in ways that always make sense in the heavenlies and always hit the bullseye of the will of God. I said that very quickly, but did you hear what I just said? You see, Romans tells us that we don't always know how to pray as we ought. And it's not because we're stupid. It's because we live in a very, uh, we live in a state where while we are alive on the inside, we still have a finite mind. Hello? 
and, and not to mention this body that we're in as well. So here we are, a people that are alive on the inside. We have the gift of God within us, Christ Jesus. We have the command of the Lord, and we're to carry the expression of the kingdom everywhere we go. The light of Christ is to shine by us, through us, to a, to a dark world. And yet, and yet, how do you work with someone beyond your ability to communicate with them? Quite frankly, you cannot. Anybody that understands communication understands what I'm saying. I don't care how wonderful a marriage has been. might be 25 years of a great marriage, but the day communication breaks down between a husband and a wife, look out, buddy, you're about to see that baby hit the rocks. When communication isn't well between a father and a son, a mother and a daughter, you're going to see a struggle come up in that family right there. If communication breaks down or, you, or they don't communicate at all or they don't communicate well between an employer and an employee, then the job will not get done or it will not get done properly. When nations do not how to co communicate properly, they often end up going to war, cut themselves off from each other. And how are we going to do the will of God and the function of the kingdom at the level that we are called to do if we do not have the ability to communicate with God beyond ourselves. Let me tell you, thank God for the help of the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the help of the Holy Spirit. And what he did for us, you understand, we're a people today on the planet that's unlike anything that's ever been on the planet before. Let me, let me stretch you a little bit. Let me point out something you understand. Until the cross, until the cross and the resurrection, there were no reborn people. There were people of God that had the promise within them. But here's the truth of the matter. Until Jesus died and broke the power of sin, until he was raised from the dead that produced new life for everybody, you did not have a new covenant, and you had a people that were on the earth now uh, that, were, that were different than what we are. Because here's what we are. You know, at, and, at, in the garden, here's what man was. He was alive on the inside toward God, right? He was right with God. And, and he had, and come on, and, and even this physical body was beyond what we have right now. But when he sinned, God told him, he said, the day you, you sin, you will surely die. The day you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. Am I quoting that right? He didn't say, when you eat of that tree, someday you'll die. He said, the day you eat, you'll die. Now, he didn't die physically there. He ate of the tree, he didn't die physically, but he did die spiritually. That's not metaphoric, that's in reality. The spirit portion of that man died right there that day. So you know, and, 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 but his body, would, his body would eventually die. And, and with, Mo, what was it, with, uh, let's see, with Adam, he died, well, the scripture says he lived 930 years. Good night. Thank God people don't live that long now or Social Security would really be shot, wouldn't it? You wouldn't have any hope at all. All right. But any, anyhow, uh, what you had was a guy that was uh, dead on the inside and dying on the outside. That's what you had. And then you come to Christ. Or in him you come alive. So now we got a we got quite a weird breed on the earth right now, a peculiar people. You know what they are? They're alive on the inside and dying on the outside. Though the outward man perishes, the inward man is being renewed day by day. Are you still with me right now? Are you tracking with me? And God looks at us, and when he saved us and brought life to us within, he didn't take us out of this world, he left us in this world because we are now the light of the world. He's taken his treasure and he's put it in an earthen vessel. And he's told us to carry the revelation of the kingdom and the king of the kingdom to men everywhere. And you have authority to do so. You can draw your strength and your power from literally out of this world. You understand this? Therefore, when sickness and disease presents itself, you can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. The devil gets in your way, you can kick him right out of the way. 
You can even have resources and finances that go beyond what this realm can provide for you because the one who dropped manna out of heaven right now is the provision of your life. Come on, someone needs to say amen to these things. It's really true. But how are we going to work? How are we going to do what he has called us to do? How are we going to express the kingdom in a supernatural dimension, even as Jesus did, if we don't know how to talk to him at a level beyond ourselves? Because quite frankly, I don't always know how to pray as I should. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Because he enables me to speak beyond myself. Let me tell you why this gift is so precious. Because the better you can communicate, the farther you can go, and the more accurate you can go, and the more fulfilled that you can possibly be. We need the outpouring of the Holy Spirit within our life. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 2, that when you speak in a tongue, you don't speak to men, but to God. No one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Now, I'm not going to spend much time on that thought, but I'm going to throw this out to you. We know that when one speaks in a tongue, he's not speaking to men. We get that. We understand that. When we're speaking in unknown tongues, we're not talking to each other. People that do that don't know what they're doing because that's not what it is. You're speaking to God. No one understands him. That is, no one in the room would understand him. All right? But then he says something else. He says, however, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. And I don't know, but what there may be a dual understanding of that. While it is that spiritually you're speaking mysteriously within the house, I wonder, because he says in the spirit you speak mysteries, I wonder if there isn't times that God opens to us. And I know the Bible speaks of tongues of men and of angels. You do realize that's in the word of God. And sometimes these tongues are tongues of men. That's why on the day of Pentecost there were some people that said we hear them speaking in our own tongue. The wonderful word. They, they know these Galileans didn't know what they were saying, but they said, but we know what they're saying. We know what they're saying. Now, I've had two occasions in our ministry so far in Africa where we have witnessed that very thing. The first one happened uh, in Tanzania. And it was a day that we were praying with people to receive the Holy Ghost within the churches, which is generally just Sunday morning because I'm in the open air crusades all week long uh, during the day, the evening time. But in that Sunday morning service, I remember my interpreter was working with me, and there were many that received the gift of the Holy Ghost. But there was one lady that got it right in the center aisle. She hit the floor under the power of God, which is not a high characteristic of this ministry. I believe in it. I've experienced it many, many times. But it's not something that is highly characteristic of our ministry. Anybody knows our ministry would never say, Dale Everett, oh yeah, Dale, he's the kind of guy that in the service everybody's all over the floor. They, they don't say that about our ministry. It does happen, but it's rare. And that morning there was 80 some people that got the Holy Ghost. She's the only one that hit the floor. And she was down there longer than anyone else. They had all finished praying in the spirit and went back to their seats and she's still going to town right there, you know. And, uh, and, and when I left and went back down to sit down and, and, the, and the bishop of the house got up to speak, my interpreter said, down next to me and we've been long now we're longtime friends we've been working together for over five years and we don't do preacher talk anymore we just just talk like friends and when I sat down he didn't look at me and say wonderful sermon today pastor he didn't say oh you know none of that he just looked at me and he just said this just right out of the blue he said you know that lady doesn't know English I hadn't even paid attention I was praying with everybody I hadn't even paid attention to what was going on I said what he said the lady on the floor he said, you know, she doesn't speak English. I said, are you sure? Oh, he said, absolutely. I said, let's ask the pastor. So he had, he had to talk to him in Swahili because he didn't know English either. He said, the lady on the floor, is this, she know any English? Oh, Lord. He said, no, absolutely not. He said, that lady, he knows her tribal language and some Swahili. He said, but she's completely uneducated. She doesn't know English at all. Well, I got to tell you something. I knew it was rude, but I'm from New York, so I just did it anyhow. 
I got right up and walked right, right while the bishop was talking to the audience. I got right up because now the ladies of the church had already grabbed her by her wrist and drug her all the way down the aisle and stuck her between the last seat and the wall. And I just walked right down the aisle right while the guy's talking. And I went right back there and knelt down next to her and I listened. And she was worshiping Jesus plain and clear. Now listen, when she praised the Lord in English, this was the clincher for me. She did so without an African accent. It was, and it wasn't British sounding either, which you might find in Africa. It was American sounding English, just like someone, if you turned on CBS News today and listened to them, sounded just like that. And I thought, oh my God, I text my wife. I said, I think God did something today just for me. Just for me. I think he looked down from heaven and said, you have such a great passion to see people get filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm going to do something for you today. I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you be one of those like an ax when they said, for we heard them in our own tongue. And I said, today I heard in my own tongue. And, and with the way we actually speak English. My interpreter, who's a wonderful interpreter, he's the best I've had on the planet. He could be here tonight and he could preach and you would all understand him. But no one would think that he came from Mobile. You would all know when you hear him speak that he did not come from these shores. His accent would be pretty heavy. But she spoke just like we speak. Later on, sometime later, it was about a year ago, two years ago, I was in Bujumbura, Burundi again. And it was a night we were praying with people to get the Holy Ghost. And my associate had gone to the side of the crowd where there was a thousand people that received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And one girl was way off to the side. And she wasn't, she wasn't there to receive the Holy Ghost. She was demon-possessed. She was violently manifested. She was on the ground looking like she was having grand mal seizure when he walked up on her. He can't, she was born stone deaf. She had never heard, so she didn't speak at all. She didn't speak Kiruni. In that nation, the English is not spoken. You either speak Kiruni or, or everybody will speak Kiruni. And then some that have reasonable education uh, will speak Swahili. And then if you're highly educated, you'll speak French because it used to be a French colony, not an English colony. When he cast the devils out of that girl, it was just like biblical time. When the devils were cast out, she immediately got her hearing just like that. As soon as the devils came out, she could perfectly hear. Bang. Never heard all her whole life. And immediately out of her mouth, and the first thing out of her mouth in English came, Jesus, please forgive me. He was so excited about it. He said, man, he said, she right away, as soon as the devils came out, she cried, oh, Jesus, please forgive me. I said, good night, Mark. Do you realize what just took place? First of all, the girls never heard it at all, so she didn't even speak Kirundi. I said, but if she would have spoken, if she had not been deaf, she would have spoke Kirundi or, or Swahili, or if she was well-educated, she'd have spoke French. When English came out of her mouth, she had received the gift of the Holy Ghost right there on the spot. Good. Night. Wait just a minute. Is there? What am I looking for? Hey, somebody's got to, come on, somebody's got to, somebody's got to wave a hanky somewhere around this place. Has it been that long since we had camp meetings in Alabama that we don't know how to do church here? <laughs> it's a spiritual communication hotline to the throne of God. He speaks mysteries. I wonder if sometimes we don't actually speak in such mysteries that the devil doesn't even know what we're talking about. I really do. I think there are times... I'm not going to go far down this road, but I wonder if we don't have encrypted language. And not only do men not understand, but devils don't either. Huh? Well, so much for that. Let me 
take it to the end. Let's talk about receiving it. It's for everybody. It's for right now. It's, you don't have to be some spiritual, mature guy to get it. And when you do, you're going to talk to God way beyond yourself. You're going to speak with the wisdom of the Spirit, not just the language of the Spirit. And receiving the gift, I said it earlier, this is the last point. It's easy. It's all about cooperation. Let me say it again. It's a truth about the spirit baptism. Receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost is easy. It's all about cooperation. It's not hard. If you're struggling at getting it, you won't get it. I can always tell when the people are going to get the gift of the Holy Ghost or if they're not. It's when we're praying with them, if this is how they're kind of praying. If this is what they look like when they're praying, <laughs> he's not going to get it. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You know, look at it. He's right on the edge of getting a spiritual hernia. He's not going to get the Holy Ghost. That's not, that's not how this thing works. You got to, to put it in the words of our West Coast brethren, here's the thing. You got to mellow out, dude. You got to mellow out. It's what you got to do to open your heart. You know, on the day of Pentecost, they were sitting down when they got it. You all know that? That's what the scripture says. So I, I don't know that sitting down makes it any more real, but the idea was it wasn't a struggle. It wasn't a struggle. It's, it's easy. It's all about cooperation. All right, so, so what do you mean, preacher? You say about cooperation. All right, well, let's talk about it. Acts 2.4, Acts 2.4. Let's just look at that passage. And I'm going to walk you through it. When I walk you through it, you'll, you'll know exactly what to do, and that's what we're going to do tonight. Acts 2.4. I know a lot of you can quote it. If not, you should be able to, all right? Acts 2.4. Acts 2.4. Let's just walk through it and watch how it happens. It's very easy. It's about cooperation. All right? So the writer says this, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Right? All right, so here, you know something right up front. Everybody can get it. Now, we already said it, but you see it there. They were all filled. Didn't say some got filled. It said they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Everybody can get this. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. Now, wait. Walk through me. Walk with me through this thing, all right? And they began to speak with other tongues. Now, tongues means languages. You all know that, right? That's an old English word that we have translated. It means languages, all right? So it doesn't mean when they spoke with other tongues that some of them got like a bear's tongue and the other got a goat tongue. That's good. Nice. I mean, we all know better than that, don't we, in the room? Oh, you're sharper than that. So when tongues is languages. They spoke with other tongues, other meaning other than what the speaker understood, all right? So they spoke with other tongues as to, wait, and wait, oh, look at something else. Notice, now wait, pay real attention to this. Notice who did the speaking. Within the text, what is it indicating? Who did the speaking? Someone says it was God. No, no. No, no. It was them. They spoke. They spoke with other tongues. If you miss this, you'll struggle forever getting the Holy Ghost because here's what you're going to do. You're going to wait for God to come and possess you like a demon. So some people, and that's a hard way of saying it, but a lot of people think what happens when you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you speak with other tongues, that it's kind of like the... It's, it's not... It's not it's not the same thing as this is on the dark side, this is on the light side. It's, they think you're going to kind of be like a spiritual medium, that the Spirit's going to overtake you and you're just going to, you know, and something's going to come out of your mouth. Good night. There's nothing like God at all. It's not even in the neighborhood. That's not what this is like at all. You, are not, you don't come under some, some supernatural control and now you don't even know what you're doing or what you're saying or anything. It's, not, it's all about cooperation. That's what it is. 
They spoke. See, if you're ever going to speak with tongues, you're going to have to do it. With your mouth, with your lips, with your vocal cords, you're going to have to speak. You say, well, good night, Dale. I don't know how to speak in a language I don't know. I, I, but look at the rest of the verse. They spoke with other tongues as the Spirit. Now watch what he did. As the Spirit gave them utterance. Is that what it says? Right. Yeah. So they spoke as the Spirit gave them utterance. And utterance means something to say. All right, I know I'm being extremely plain, but that's what it means. All right, something to say or, or inspired speech is actually what the original would indicate there. All right, so, so here's how it goes. This is how it works. Watch, this is really deep. You really need a little bit of seminary education to get this one, but I think maybe you could stretch yourself and get it. All right, here's how it works. He gave them something to say, and they said it. You got that? That's how it works. He gave them something to say. And they said it. He didn't, he didn't take control of their tongue or their lips. He gave them utterance. And they spoke in another language. Wow. It's all about cooperation. I know, we, I know we get real weird on this thing. We say, well, I don't know. I just want it to be all. And here we go. Here it goes. Are you ready for it? I want it to be all God and none of me. And that sounds real nice, but it's nowhere in the book. It's nowhere in the book it's ever that way. It's always what God does and what we do. And what we do doesn't earn or, or, or qualify, but what we do is harmonize with. Yeah. So you take salvation. I keep saying, if you know how to get saved, you know how to get everything God does. Are you figuring this out yet? Yeah. So here's how it works for salvation. He devised the plan. It was his idea, not ours. All right, he sent his son. He bore our sin. He became the sacrifice. He rose from the dead. And he poured out of his spirit to call all men to himself. That's his part. But now there's your part. Your part isn't qualifying. Your part isn't being holy. Your part isn't being good enough. But your part is to repent. When he called, you had to answer. Am I right? He didn't walk in the room and say, you, you, and you, safe. Like it or not, buddy, you're in. That's the way the game's played. No, no, no. He convicted, and you had to respond. You had, to, you had to bow your knee, you had to call upon his name, and you had to believe. That was your part. When that comes together, the miracle of God is solidified in your life. There's always his part and your part. When Jesus healed the sick, nearly every time there was something he had people do. Nearly every time you see that. He'd take a guy that was crippled and he'd say, take up your bed and walk. Am I right? The tomb of Lazarus, he said, roll away the stone. All right? Even the guy that was being carried out dead, he stopped at the burial procession. That's what he did. You'll see it time after time again that there was, there was the action part, the action part that's involved in these things. All right? Multiplying the loaves and fish. How many loaves do you have? What do you got? Well, good night. What we got doesn't even count, man. We got... What is it, like like six loaves and a, and a few little fish? What's that? what's that? What's that amongst all these thousands? What do you have? Just put it in my hands. And then take it out to the people. There's always the cooperative part. The gift of the Holy Ghost. You know how it works? You know how it works? Here's what we're going to do in just a moment. We're going to come around the front and we're going to worship the Lord. In English. Just like you already know how to do it. We're going to love on Jesus. And I'm going to tell you why. Not because that's our style. It's because he's the baptizer. If you don't connect with him, it's not going to happen. 
Now, I'll pray with you. I'll lay my hands on you. Now, listen to what I'm about to say. I'm not insecure, and I'm not trying to be humble. Listen to what I'm about to say. I'm not the baptizer. You all hear that? I'm not the baptizer. He's the baptizer. I'll pray with you, but he's the baptizer. If you don't connect with him, it's not going to happen just because I pray with you. You've got to open your heart to him. In fact, I won't even lay hands on anyone until I know that we are in that moment. Because it'll come. It'll come. It's a glorious moment when God begins to open the heavens unto us. It's something extraordinary. You'll know it in your heart. I'll know it. I don't know whether you recognize it or not, but I'll know it. I think you will too. Because sometimes it literally changes the atmosphere in the room. And so we're going to worship until that happens. We're going, to, we're going to zero in on him until heaven and earth comes together in that way. And I don't mean we've got to go crazy either. You just kind of warm up to his presence. And when that happens, listen, and what I'm telling you works for everything. even works for divine healing or getting direction from God or anything else. When you, once you warm up to his presence, always crawl up in his lap. I don't try to shout to him from, from earth to heaven. I always get close. And then when that happens, you can, you can do it right there. Just say, Lord, fill me with the Holy Ghost. Or what I'll probably do in that moment is when I sense that's really stirring within our hearts, I'm just going to say, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, listen, when I say that, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stop talking in English and any other language you might know. All right? So if you know French or you know Spanish or something else, you know, if you know, if you know, really, if you know really South Alabama, don't even talk that. Now, don't look at me like that. I got aunts and uncles and all the Everett's came from Mobile. My God, I had to translate for my wife what those boys were saying down there. <laughs> it was a kind of easy translation because they drawed it out so long. It took them eight minutes to say three sentences. <laughs> Come on, does anyone know what I'm talking about? Oh, Lord, I got to tell you what. You should see some of my family. Anyhow. The minute he gives you something to say, I want you to open your mouth and say it. But as long as you're talking in a language you don't know, you won't be talking in a language you don't know. And I can't give you chapter and verse of that, but I'll bet you know that's right. Because you only got one mouth in your head. So even if you knew both French and English, you can't speak French and English at the same time, can you? You've got to stop speaking English in order to speak French, even if you know them both, and you've got to stop speaking French in order to speak English. That's just the way it is. And here's why some people never receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, because they come up and they do something like this. They say, Lord, tonight I want to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, and tonight I'm going to receive this in Jesus' name. In fact, I'm going to take it right now by faith. Right now I'm going to claim it. I'm going to call it mine. I'm just going to say, thank you, Lord. Amen. Praise God. Yes, bless you, Jesus. Amen. I believe in God. Oh, hallelujah. And 45 minutes later, they go all completely depressed, and they say, I wonder why I didn't get it. I know why. You never shut up. <laughs> How are you ever going to talk in the new language if you're always just working the one you got? So, so here's what you do. You, come on, I'm just being practical right now. Here's what you do. You begin to warm up to God the way you already know how you love on Him, the way you already have understanding. But at some point, that stirring of God will happen within your heart. When that begins, stop speaking every language you know and listen in your spirit because He's going to give you something to say. You're going to get a word, a syllable, a sound you've never learned and you don't understand. Did you hear what I said? You're going to get a word, maybe a syllable, a sound uh, that you don't know. You've never learned it. And you don't even understand what it means. It's an utterance beyond yourself. That's how it happens. And the minute that comes, open your mouth and say it. He's not going to take over your lips and your tongue. He's going to give you something to say. He's probably not going to knock you across the next wall and you're not going to levitate off the floor. 
In fact, if, if, if you think you are and it starts to actually happen, would you please wave me down? I got someone here with a camera because, good God, man, I want to get a picture of that. I've never seen that before. But truthfully, he's going to give you something to say. And here's the commitment I want you to make right now with your city. If you want this gift of the Holy Ghost, I want you to make this commitment to yourself. To yourself. You want this gift? Make this commitment to yourself. The moment he gives me something to say, I'll say it. Can you do that? Now, if I'm praying with you, and, I, and if I'm praying in the Spirit when I pray with you, don't you pray what I'm saying. Don't listen to me and say, well, say that. No, good night. That's not it. I can't give you utterance. If I did, you still wouldn't have the Holy Ghost. That's not it. He's going to give you utterance. So the, what you need to tell yourself is this. The moment he gives me something to say, I'll say it. And let me take that for a little bit of a ride here. We're human. We all do the same thing. When God moves in us, we do one of two things. We either cooperate with him or we analyze it. Am I right? I do. I still do. I don't like doing it, but I do it. It's part of my nature. God moves, I think, is that really God? I don't know. I'm not sure. And the longer you go down that road, the more you'll get hung up. Because this word will come to your mind, but it didn't come from your mind. It's not of your intellect, it's of the spirit. And so when it comes from your heart and, you, and that thought comes to you, you're going to think, well, what is this? Where did it come from? I don't know. Is that really God? Is it, I don't, it, what does this mean? You're going to stay there the rest of your life and you'll never get the gift. You need to make the commitment. The moment he gives me something to say, the moment he does, I'm going to say it. Don't wait for six more words. The moment he gives you something to say, open your mouth and say it. Some people get it just like a flood. Other people just get one syllable or two. I don't care. Whatever you get, work it. Will you do that? Just work it. Don't just say it once and stop. Whatever he gives you to say, come on, worship him with it. Worship him with it again and again and again. More will come. More will come. Probably right away, but if not, it'll come in time. Don't worry about it. You'll, you'll pick up on it. Because he'll continue to fill you to overflowing with his spirit. Would you stand with me all over the house?